0: chapter 15. Before I read it, I just want to say, I just want to remind each one of us here that God loves you. That he loves you relentlessly. God loves you relentlessly. Look at these words. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We'll come back later and elaborate a little more on what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are saying here. But what we see here is a setting that has been set for us, right? Tax collectors and sinners, these two terms are really synonymous. They're really one and the same in the Bible oftentimes, meaning that people that are typically considered as sinners, that are considered as unworthy in God's presence, that have been rejected by the people of God, these unworthy people, here Luke tells us that they're all gathering around Jesus to hear him. And then, Jesus in verse three goes on. He tells us, really in this whole chapter, three parables or three stories for, to make a point. In verse three, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And so here, he gives us this first parable, this first example. He says, if you have 100 sheep, you have a flock and you have 100 sheep, and one of them, just one of them, gets lost, right? Goes astray, goes off somewhere else by himself. Wouldn't you leave behind the 99 that are safe and go after that one that's lost, right? Wouldn't you entrust the 99 that are that are?" start with you with other trustworthy shepherds and go after that one sheep, right? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country, go after a lost sheep? And when he finds it, right? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and brings him back and goes home, right? That when this shepherd finds a sheep, perhaps a sheep, has gotten injured while he was astray, while he's gone off to, I don't know, uh, somewhere, you know, looking for grass, or maybe he fell off of a cliff or somewhere, and he was stuck, and the shepherd relentlessly goes after this one sheep, and he finds the sheep, and if the sheep can't walk, he will carry him all the way back home, right? It doesn't just stop there. He says that this shepherd will probably call all the neighbors and say, rejoice with me. I found this lost sheep. I've lost this guy like five days ago, but I finally found it. Oh my goodness. Come and rejoice with me. Right? Jesus says, wouldn't you do that if you lost one of your own? And then he goes on in verse eight and gives another example. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Right? And some translations, English translations, it says uh, drachmas, which is uh, equivalent one. One of those coins was equivalent to a full day of, of works wage. Okay? So it's quite a bit of money. Right? And suppose she loses only one of those coins, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I'll tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, right? If you lost one coin, even though it's just one, wouldn't you light a lamp? Turn on all the lights in your house and sweep the floor. Back in those days, I think a lot of their houses had stone floors where where it's just, you know, pieces of large stones loosely put together. So things can fall through the cracks, right? And they didn't have electricity like we do now. So unless you light candles or lamps inside the house, it's going to be hard to see, right? And so she lights a lamp and she sweeps, hoping that she can hear that coin Amongst the, on the on the stone floor, right? What does it portraying? It's portraying this this earnestness, how earnest she is, how careful she is in looking and hoping to find the one coin, even though it is just one. And so, these two parables, the the lost sheep and the lost coin, and really even the third parable, they're all talking about the same. Thing. And it, it shows us, even though it is just one out of a hundred, one out of a many, the shepherd and the woman, they would do everything they could, can to look for it, right? And to restore it. And we, of course, we read in John chapter 10 that Jesus calls, calls himself the good shepherd. And I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd who's willing to lay down his own life for his sheep. And so really, he's talking about himself. He's talking about the Father's heart in these parables. How important these things are, even though they are just one out of many. Even that one is important to the owner, to the shepherd. And they relentlessly pursue it to find it. And when they do, they rejoice. They rejoice. And then from verse 11 and on to the rest of this chapter comes a very famous story called the prodigal son. And again, it is talking about the same thing. And and it's just that here, Jesus transitions from something, a possession, a piece of property that a person might own to a person. Right? to the relationship between a father and his sons. Look with me in verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, if you don't know, back in those days, and probably even now, if you go to your father who's still alive, And tells him, Father, I want my share of my inheritance. Give it to me now. It was a direct insult and dishonor to your father, especially those days. It's like telling him, I wish you weren't here so I could have your stuff. So why don't we just pretend that you're not here and give me your stuff. So I can have it. So I can enjoy it now. And this is what this younger son does. In his father's face, he says, give me my share of the estate. But to our surprise, the father does it. He divided his property between them. It doesn't stop there. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I've read somewhere that in those days in the Jewish culture, if your aging father is still alive, even though you may already have pretty much taken over his estate and his property, you're, it's, it's technically illegal almost to sell the family property, the land. Because your father's still alive and he still needs, it's sort of his retirement to eat off of the land. And it was it was pretty much illegal, if not very dishonoring and disrespectful, to sell your family's, your inherited land, your property. And yet, we see here, what does the younger son do? He gathered all he had, right? And he went off to some faraway country, which means he probably sold a lot of the stuff that he inherited. Maybe it was land, maybe it was sheep and flock and herds, he may have sold them a lot of it so that he could carry it in cash, right, to go live his life in a distant country, and there squandered, wasted his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, verse fourteen, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who was sent into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So we see what the outcome was for this son. He goes off to a faraway country. He spends all, all the money, all the, the property that he had, right, left behind his father and his family, and now there was a famine; things got hard, and he didn't have anything left. He got so desperate that he hired himself out to a non-Jewish person, and not only that, but hired himself out as somebody who takes care of pigs. Now we know that the Jews consider pigs uh, as as unclean animals. They they don't they don't eat pork. They didn't eat pork. They 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 don't they don't keep pigs. They don't raise pigs. And so we can see that he's really gone to the bottom, right? He's hit that wall. He's got nowhere to go. He's desperate as he could be. And yet, even then, right? Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, it says. He was so hungry that he even wanted to eat pig food, whatever that was. And yet no one would give him anything. Now, if, it, if this was a typical Jewish moral story, the story probably would have ended right here. It probably would have ended right here. And the teacher would go, you see what happens when you dishonor your father and leave behind your family. You see what happens when you make foolish choices like this, so don't do that. And, you know, really to an extent, that moral, that really truth still applies to us now spiritually. You see, because this is what happens when we choose to go astray and leave behind our Heavenly Father. This is what happens, what will happen to us If we betray the God of all creation, who is the father of all living things, the father of all humanity, this is what will happen to us if we leave him, turn our back against him, and says, I wish you weren't here. I don't care if you're here. I want my share of my stuff. I want to live my life. So leave me be. This is what will happen. And you see, there's going to come a point in our life where we'll hit that wall, we'll hit the bottom of of, of that desperation, and we're going to tell ourselves, you know, life is getting harder, but if I would just try a little harder, if I can just work a little harder, if I can just do whatever it takes and just hold on to this just a little longer, if I just wait and persevere a little longer in this path, surely I can make this work. Surely I will get something out of this. But the truth is, no. No one No one gave him anything to eat. My friends, this is the outcome. A sobering, sobering warning and an outcome of what can happen to any one of us if we choose to betray our God. The one true God, the one true Father and go our own ways. We might even, you know, deceive ourselves in thinking that if I just work hard enough, if I just try hard enough and get that, get into this relationship, get that next job, get into these achievements, maybe then. But now at the end of it all, it's all empty. And we will gain nothing. We will gain Nothing. So the typical story would have ended here, but Jesus' story did not. It continues on. Look with me. Verse 17, here's a very key phrase. When he came to his senses, when the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. When he came to his senses. That's the key. This son, he finally had a moment. He finally understood and saw what in the world am I doing here to myself? My father, my father has so many servants. He has, he has plenty of food to spare. And he recognized how much wrong he had done against his own father. How much, how, how shameful what he had done towards his father. And he says, you know what, forget it all. Forget what I've been trying to accomplish. Forget what I've been trying to uh, pursue and, and, and find for myself. Forget it all. I will set out and go back. I don't, I don't deserve it. In fact, I bet he was thinking, you know what, I bet my father's even not going to let me in, but I'm going to try anyway. I've got nothing else to lose. I'm going to try anyway anyway. And tell him, I have sinned against heaven, sinned against God, and sinned against you. And just, if you would just give me some food and hire me as a servant. And he returned. He he started his journey of returning to his father. But keep reading verse 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still A long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. While he was a long way off. There's so many things here. Church, here's the thing. When we come to our senses by the grace of God... And when we start this journey of returning to the Father, this journey of genuine repentance spurred on by godly sorrow, even before we arrive. In fact, I don't think the Father is expecting us to to fully arrive. He's not even expecting us to be fully perfect and, and, and completely done away with our sins. He's not even expecting us to come clean While we were still far off, the father saw him. What does that mean? What do you think it means when it says that the father saw him? It means that he had been waiting. The father had been waiting. (laughs) He'd been waiting and looking like that one shepherd, like that woman who's looking for that coin. He had been waiting and he saw him and his heart was what? Filled with compassion. He filled with compassion. The Lord our God is gracious and compassionate and he's steadfast in his love. And he was filled with compassion towards his son who was probably dressed in a rag, is filthy, it smells worse than a pig, looks like a total beggar off the street. He was filled with compassion. And what does he do? He ran. The father ran to his son to meet him where he was. And not only that, he threw his arms around him and embraced this stinky child of his and kissed him and kissed him. In verse 21, look at what the son says. The son said to him, probably something that he'd been rehearsing all the way home. Telling himself, this is probably what I'll say to my father. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your sir, your son. And you know, he was right. He was right. He really doesn't deserve any of this. He really doesn't deserve to be accepted back into the family. He was filthy, not just physically, but spiritually and relationally he has he has dishonored and broken his relationship with his father he knows his heart had been humbled and he comes to his father begging but 22 but the father said to his servants quick Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. What does the father do? He calls a servant, bring the best robe. Take this dirty rack off of my son. Put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Ring probably signifying the son's status as, as a child in the family and not just some stranger or not just some servant. And sandals, poor people, lowly people, servants didn't wear sandals or shoes back then. Right? And so the father clothed him and then he says, bring the fattened calf. Let me explain to you what a fattened calf meant back then. It's like... It's like catering from the most expensive barbecue joint in town and feeding the entire village. It's a party. It's a feast. It's a celebration. It's a calf that the family would set aside for a joyous occasion like this. Right? Isn't this unbelievable, church? Isn't this unbelievable? Because here's here's the thing. Here comes this son who is who had gone astray in rebellion and he was met with forgiveness. Here comes this son who who returned with, with brokenness and he was met with compassion. Here comes this son who was covered in shame and he was clothed in honor. This is what this father did. He received his son who have returned to him fully, wholeheartedly. God loves you relentlessly. Relentlessly. Do you know what that means? Relentless. Basically, it means the intensity, the strength of something, it continues on. It does not decrease. It does not change or diminish. So, when we say that God's love is relentless, we're saying that His love towards you does not change. It's strength. How strongly He loves you, it does not weaken. When we say that God loves you relentlessly, it means His love does not stop, it does not cease, it does not fail. It is not contingent upon some condition or something that we do. Even when we turn our backs against him, he still loves. He still pursues. That is who God is. God is love. Perfect love. And he loves you relentlessly. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. Maybe some of you here you never you never really had a relationship with God. Maybe some of you here you acknowledge you know that you don't know this God and you don't know this God of the Bible that we're we're talking about. Or some of you here you, you think that you have a relationship with God, but but maybe you really don't. Maybe you haven't quite understood, not just understood, but fully experienced and received and been embraced by God's relentless love. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. Doesn't matter how filthy you are. God loves you and he desires to have you and he has made a way for that to be possible and that is through his son Jesus who became the payment of our sin who died and rose again to give us a new life, to bring us back to our Heavenly Father. Maybe you are like this younger son, who is far away from God, and you've been searching. Maybe you, you're at the bottom, just at the depth of your despair, and you know that you're hopeless. You know that you've got nothing else to hold on to. You know that you've been trying so, so hard to make life work. If that is you, I want to invite you to come to the Father. Return to the Father. Come back to your senses. Come on. Here is the Father the God of the universe who wants you to come back to him, who wants you to be his child. Come back to your senses. Return to him. Stop whatever you're trying to do and just return to Jesus. Now, interestingly, the story still does not end here. Right? So the younger son had returned, and there's a celebration going on. But verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Can you guess what he was doing? He was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. He's hired the entire barbecue joint to celebrate because he's, he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. A young goat compared to a fattened calf is like a bucket of fried chicken. Enough food for you to enjoy with a couple of friends, okay? Make sense? I like fried chicken, so I heard amen. Amen but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed a fattened calf for him? Do you see what's going on? Do you hear what he's saying? He says, all these years, while that guy left you, betrayed you, dishonored you, Shame on your face! All these years, I've been right here. I've been slaving away. He says I've been working so hard. I've 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 never disobeyed a single thing that you told me to do. And yet, and yet, this this kid comes home, and and you celebrate for him. Do you you remember what he's done? You remember what he's what he said and, and, and to your face how he squandered, right? All the, the, the property and the positions that you spent your lifetime earning and working for. He wasted it all away and now he comes crawling back and begs you and then you, you let him in and not only so, you celebrate him? That doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. That's not what he deserves. There's anger in the older son's voice. He thinks it's unfair. He thinks that he deserves greater honor than his younger brother. But listen to what the father says. Verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You see, the older brother did not understand the father's heart. This older brother did not share in the father's heart. The father's relentless love and compassion and longing for his brother who had gone astray. The older son did not share in that heart. And he was bitter towards his brother, bitter towards his father. And you know, church, I believe that the main reason why He responded this way. The main reason why he did not share and understand the father's heart is because he himself did not understand or experience the father's relentless love for him. I think that's why. Because the older son himself, even though he's been by the father's side physically, even though he's been slaving away, And sure, never disobeyed. But he never understood. He never understood that his relationship with the Father is so much more than just doing what the Father says or just doing and slaving away in the field for him. He didn't understand that his relationship with the Father is about being loved by him and loving him. And hence, therefore, he did not have that same compassion, that same love for his lost brother. Church, I think we we as a church, IBCA, we've always been so good, so kind and so friendly, especially towards lost people, especially towards internationals, people from you know overseas, whether they're students or or whatever, wherever they're from. I think we're very intentional and, and conscious about loving and being gentle and patient with those come from different cultural backgrounds, different, even religious backgrounds. Those that are Hindus, those that are Muslims, those that are Buddhists. We always remind ourselves that, oh yeah, they, are, uh, they believe in these things and, and, and they, they need God's grace and mercy. And, and so we have to be patient and merciful with them in our relationship. I think we do such a great job at that. But I sometimes wonder, do we have the same kind of heart towards that neighbor who's unkind and rude to you? Do we always have the same kind of attitude towards that coworker who's just always negative, who's always on your case? gets on your nerves. Is that the same kind of heart that we have towards, again, a friend of ours who, who look like us, who live here, but have a very, very different political point of view than, than we do? Do we have the same kind of compassion and mercy and grace towards that family member who's always so harsh, who's always so rude and unloving? Or do we often share the same anger and bitterness that the older brother did here towards those around us? I confess I have many a times Many a times, I get impatient with people and I wonder, why can't you get it together? Many a times. And folks, let me just remind us that 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 sort of a heart towards the people around you, that kind of mindset is a symptom, is a symptom that you and I have lost sight of the Father's heart, that you and I have have failed on this day to experience God's relentless love first for you and for me. It's only when we understand that, only when we experience that firsthand, then we will be able to share in the Father's heart towards others. Church, where are we today? Where is our heart? Listen, God, to say, that he, <laughs> to say that he had gone out of his way to pursue us is an understatement. Philippians chapter 2, how he left his world and entered our world and our sufferings took on our sin took on our shame took on the punishment that we deserve so that we can be forgiven so that we can be adopted so that we can be received back into the Father's arms I just do you know just how much God loves you And how much he is relentlessly pursuing you even right now. Thank God. Thank God that you and I not only have such a father, but also an older brother who is not like this. That you and I have an older brother who shared perfectly the heart of the father, who shared perfectly in God's relentless love and grace and compassion and came after us and embraced us. That is Jesus.